let's begin uh, with this quote by P.J. O'Rourke. He's a writer. Uh, and let's see if anybody can identify with this. Everybody wants to save the earth, but nobody wants to help mom with the dishes. How many of you moms could testify to that? Yeah. You know, everybody wants to do the big, the bombastic, the uh, thing that gets attention, the thing that makes immediate change, but nobody wants to do the dishes because servanthood isn't fun. It isn't, it isn't as, as fun as some of those big things we get to do. And we've been talking uh, all year long in sermons uh, in our worship theme of come see what love can do, but what we maybe sometimes forget is that when love shows up in work clothes, that's called service. Because love often shows up in work clothes. And we have to figure out that the next step is service. Now, we all like to serve, but our problem is we like to stay in control and we like to set limits. I'll serve, but I'll only do these things. I won't do that. Or uh, I'd like to serve, but I'd like a little credit for it. I'd like at least a thank you. You know, we do something uh, really, really unselfish for somebody, and we say, well, they didn't even say thanks. Or here's one. Uh, We want to serve, but we want to reserve the right to complain about it. About how how much we were put out, uh, what effort it took, and violins play, and on and on. We have a lot to learn about servanthood. A lot to learn about servanthood. Now, in this story, with Jesus walking with the twelve disciples, the two brothers, uh, the fishermen brothers, uh, come to him first, James and John, and they, they pulled something that as children we pulled on our parents. Uh, if your children uh, here this morning, maybe you have recently tried this on your mom and dad, and moms and dads, you've had it pulled on you. It's this, uh, Mom, Dad, I want you to say yes to the next thing I ask you. You ever try that? I want you to, say, I want you to promise that you're going to say yes to what I'm getting ready to ask. And most parents do like Jesus. Well, just why don't you tell me what it is first. And Jesus did, and they said, you know, when you come into your glory, uh, we think that probably we tested a little higher than all the other dimmer disciples. And so we would like to sit by you one on the right and one on the left. And Jesus gave basically two answers. Uh, He said, first of all, that's not mine to give. Uh, That's up to God. But he he said primarily, uh, I don't think you want to go there, literally. I don't think you want to go there. Because it's the way of suffering. It's the way of unselfishness. It's the way of servanthood. It's the way of mistreatment. It is the way of brutal death. In fact, there's an irony in this scripture in that James, one of those who came to him, actually got his wish. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 tell us that several years after this event, after Jesus had died on the cross, was raised again, James was martyred for his faith. Herod took a sword and killed James. So James, ironically, got his prayer answered. He got to be with Jesus in Jesus' glory, but gulp, be careful what you ask. Be careful what you ask. Because he got it. And it wasn't like what he thought it was going to be. And I'm, I'm really intrigued by the fact that in 
framing his answer to the disciples, to the two, Jesus brings in what we would call in church life our two ordinances, Lord's Supper and Baptism. He says, do you think you're ready to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We would make that a reference to communion or Lord's Supper, like we had recently, because to speak of taking a cup was to speak of sharing someone else's destiny. Jesus was saying, you really think you can drink the cup I'm drinking to share my destiny? And then he switches to the other image. He said, or to be baptized with my baptism. And and I love baptismal Sundays. They're just so exciting. Because to be baptized is to be inundated. It is to be plunged under. It is to be, we would say, literally over your head. In over your head. Ah, that's the part we don't like about servanthood. Bingo. We don't like being out of control. We like to serve as long as we can call the shots. We like to serve as long as we can name the terms. We like to serve as long as we can be in charge of outcomes. But when we're truly servants, we're not in charge of conversations. We're not in charge of outcomes. We're not in charge of success. And we feel inundated like we are in over our heads. But there's another powerful Uh, thing that resonates in this image of baptism, as I mentioned from the baptistry. To be baptized is a person, uh, uh, in baptism, a person is strongly identifying with a different set of values. To be baptized is like being branded, and it's saying, I'm now a Jesus follower, and I do not follow the standards and values of the earth and its kingdoms about success and glory and being first and being biggest and being best. I now live by a different set of values. I'm a Jesus follower and I start living by countercultural values. That's what Jesus meant when the other ten disciples got angry when they heard about the conversation and the request. Jesus called them all together and he said, Now you know among Gentiles, among our earthly rulers, Romans... Those whom they recognize as rulers lord it over them. Jesus was talking about the hated Roman Empire, the pecking order, the the Roman system of chain of command, that the higher up you go, the more authority and the less servant stuff you have to do. Jesus said, you know how the Romans do it. But then Jesus said, but we're not like that. Verse 43, it is not so among us. Jesus is saying, we're countercultural. We live by different values. Does anybody else find it strange that the disciples, the Jewish followers of Jesus in this story, who absolutely despised the Roman occupation, they absolutely despised the Roman brutality, yet at the same time, they unconsciously were mimicking the Roman culture by trying to live by the same pecking order of greatness. And have you noticed that as much as we protest about the world out there and about how culture uh, is evil and we need to not be worldly, have you noticed that even while we're making that protest, we end up unconsciously, subconsciously mimicking our culture and its approach to greatness and its approach to success and its approach to being top dog and king of the hill. Sad, isn't it? Well, we say we're countercultural, 
we ingest so much of those kinds of values. Now, Jesus says very clearly, it's not so among us. For whoever wishes to be great among you must be servant. And by the way, the word great in the Greek, whoever wishes to be great is the word megas, from which we get our word mega, as in mega trends or mega church or the mega, the mega million dollar uh, lottery that's going on right now. Uh, mega, that means, wow, great. Whoever wants to be great, whoever wants to be mega, must be your servant. And the word there is at the word diakonos, from which we get our word deacon. Listen carefully. The word deacon in the New Testament was, first of all, a way of life before it was an office in the church. Did you hear me? Not every person is called to the office of deacon, but every follower of Jesus is called to a lifestyle of servanthood, diaconus. We are all deacons. We are all servants. That's what Jesus was talking about. Now, if you know your Bible, you are aware of some glaring inconsistency in the disciples' lives and attention span. Because right before I started reading in verse 35, verses 32, 33, and 34, Jesus had just warned his disciples for the third time that following him would mean suffering, taking up the cross, and and giving up selfishness. And so, here Jesus is trying to get their attention, trying to tell them, it's costly to follow me. I'm calling you to servanthood. I'm calling you to unselfishness. But they didn't hear it. He's talking about servanthood, and it just went right over their heads after he talks to them about the costliness of it. James and John go, that's really interesting theology. Hey, by the way, can we sit by you each on one side when you come into your kingdom? Totally miss the point. Do you think we ever miss the point? Do you hear Jesus calling us out of that selfish circle we live in? We serve, but we want to control. We serve, but we want to be in charge. Only a relationship with Jesus can call us out of that selfishness into that surrender. Only the call of Jesus can cure us of that. But how easily we let that message go right over our heads. And like the disciples, we miss the point of following Jesus. Historians tell us that the, some of the early followers of Jesus actually sold themselves into slavery, becoming bondservants of another person, and took the cash from the selling of themselves and gave it to the poor and the hungry and the homeless and the needy. Has anybody here ever done that? Do you think sometimes we miss the point of following Jesus, that it's not about us? 
Shane Claiborne uh, tells in one of his books about the time he, finally, he got to visit Mother Teresa in Calcutta. He'd been wanting all of his Christian journey to meet her and see her practice the faith and see her work of charity. And, and he observed her for a while and he noticed that her feet were malformed and, and really gnarled. And uh, one of the people who'd been there a while noticed him looking at her feet and they pulled him aside and they said, uh, every time we get a shipment of used shoes, Mother Teresa goes through the whole pile and she makes sure that all the best are given away and she takes what's left over. Usually they're tight, they don't fit and they don't have arch support and they don't have any cushion. So after doing that for decades, her feet are malformed because of servanthood, because of putting others first. I'll repeat the question. Do you think sometimes we miss the point of following Jesus when we make it about ourselves? Jesus said, whoever's first among you will be slave to all, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus is the master servant. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to know Jesus gave himself up in ultimate servanthood, dying on the cross to ransom you, to leverage you out of the slavery of sin and to bring you into freedom, to bring you out of selfishness into a life that's richer and fuller and freer. And love is what calls us to servanthood. It's love that causes us to serve. It's because of love that we want to roll up our sleeves and serve. Christ's love for us, our love for Him, and our love for one another. And speaking of Christ's love, notice how gently He loves the disciples. They've missed the point. He's told them over and over again about the cruel suffering that is waiting for Him and about how they have to take up their own cross. All they can think about is their selfish desires and don't you think sometimes Jesus just wanted to take a cattle prod and just zap him a good one once in a while? I mean, my goodness. Wouldn't you think he'd just want to call down a bolt of lightning? And Anyway, he just very patiently explains it over and over and over again because he loves them, just like you and I fail at following him sometimes. Just like you and I fail servanthood tests day after day and week after week, yet he keeps on loving us and giving us a fresh opportunity to serve. I love this quote uh, by Lamar Williamson Jr. Uh, Their relationship to Jesus was imperfect but unbroken. Talking about the disciples in this episode. Their discipleship, their relationship to Jesus is imperfect but unbroken. Isn't, Isn't that helpful? Isn't that your relationship with Jesus and mine? Our relationship's not perfect. We mess up. We fail to serve. But he doesn't, he doesn't mark us off. He doesn't, he doesn't get angry and dismiss us. He keeps giving us new opportunities to serve and to learn and to grow. Because love continually calls us to servanthood. About a year and a half ago, uh, my mother-in-law's machine shed was torn to pieces by one of those North Missouri 
nasty, sudden tornadoes. I mean, it came through in late June, and uh, it tore up a large machine shed that was packed to the gills with farm machinery, with uh, lots of scrap iron, with lots of things that you store, uh, paint cans and welding rods and, and lots and lots of things over the years. But the tornado was so powerful, it just ripped off all the sides and the roof, crumpled them up like they were paper, and it, the storm actually carried those pieces of metal across the highway down south to a neighbor's pasture. And so, uh, for a 4th of July holiday that year, we all gathered up there, and uh, we started mucking around, uh, dodging mud puddles, hauling out rain-soaked pieces of lumber and uh, iron and uh, uh, emptying out paint cans that had filled with rainwater and, and moving things and hooking chains to uh, farm vehicles that hadn't been started in a long time and with large tractors pulling them out. And in the midst of those days, uh, I noticed that neighbors would stop get out of their pickup truck, and some of them would just stand and watch. And uh, then they'd get back in their truck and they'd leave. And some would stop, visit, maybe even roll up their sleeves and help a little bit. And so just to entertain myself without saying anything out loud, I got to, I got, I got to playing this little game as people pulled up in their pickup trucks. I'd ask myself, now, is this going to be someone who watches or someone who works? Are they going to watch or are they going to work? I wonder if Jesus ever feels that way about us when he sees us begin to follow Jesus. You know, First Baptist family, this church has embarked on a bold mission. The vision, the dream that we believe God's calling us to, to impact this community, to impact our world by bringing the presence of Christ. There are so many new believers who need discipling. There are so many small groups that need starting. There are so many children who need mentoring and need uh, missions teachers. There are so many uh, adults who need compassion, so many people hurting our, our community who need the tenderness of care. There are so many people who need to hear about Jesus Christ. And I think God wants to know this morning, are you here to watch or are you here to work? Are you here to stand back and observe? Or are you here to roll up your sleeves and go to work? Because there are plenty observers in the world and in the church today. But Jesus calls us to follow. He calls us to serve. He calls us to roll up our sleeves and work and not just talk about it. It's His love that calls us to serve. And we have to figure out this morning if we're just going to stand around and watch or if we're going to work. Let's pray together. Our loving, gracious God, we open our hearts now to the new thing that you might want to do in us. Make us obedient, listening, and ready. Through Christ we pray. Amen.